I would like to say, just give you a little background. We started our church in 1951. Now, I'm looking out, most of you weren't born yet. <laughs> 51, I was 21, and I worked with my father, and uh, I, I thought I was going to be an evangelist, because that's the way I started, in Jamaica and Bahamas and, and the British Isles. And, and I really enjoyed that, because I could draw large crowds and see a lot of people saved. But I fasted for three weeks by myself out by a river in the middle of, or of Oregon and Metolius. And, and the Lord told me, go back and work with your dad. Now that was not what I wanted to hear because my dad and I did things different and I just wasn't going to go back and work with my dad. But the Lord said, go back and work with your father. So I went to this little church of about 100 people. And there I spent the next 10 years of my life through my 20s. And uh, I loved my dad, but we just didn't seem to click in what we were doing. But I knew this was the will of God. But the problem was it never grew. One in the front door and one out the back door. One in the front door, one out the back door. And I'm serious. I tried everything in that day was popular. <coughs> Give away a bicycle if you bring the most to church. Uh, a pony ride. <laughs> Just a lot of different things trying to get this church to start growing. One in the front door and one out the back door. (laughs) One in the front. And I was so discouraged because I could go out and I could draw literally thousands and preach to them, but I go home, a hundred people. I go out, thousands. Come home, a hundred people. And so... I, I really had a difficult time uh, with my emotions because I like the crowds. I like the, the, the people want my autograph and, you know, things like that. <laughs> so one day I decided I'm going to call in a prophet. Now, that's dangerous. <laughs> and so I called in a prophet. And he preached for a few days. And in his last service, he turned to me on the platform and said, I have a word for you. I knew what it was. Release him. Let him go. (laughs) And may I give it to you? Yes, go ahead. I had a halo around my head. And you know what that man said? He's still my friend, by the way. He said, the evil that is in your heart, it's not the people, it's not the city, it's in your heart. That was it. There goes your honorarium. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I knew there was something wrong, 
And this prophet said it was me. I had a wrong attitude. And so this was very, very difficult to, to accept that it was me. I had evil in my heart. So I began to seek the Lord as to what that evil was. And I really sought the Lord for what the evil was. I talked to some lady a little too long. I could see all the eyes look over. That's his problem. And I was really having a difficult time pastoring that church with my father and dealing with the evil that's in my heart. And I said, Lord, what is the evil you're talking about? I want to know so I can get rid of it. Two weeks later, in the middle of the night, I'm walking the floor. This is exactly the way it happened. I'm walking the floor with this thought, Lord, what's the evil that you said was in my heart? And then I heard the word of the Lord to me. You don't love what I love. Now think of it. You don't love what I love. Well, I love the crowds. I love preaching. I love traveling. I love you know, all the exciting things. But I don't love what you love. What do you love that I don't love? And the Lord said, I love my house. And I love the world. I love Portland. You see, I was eight years old when I arrived in Portland, uh, Portland, Oregon. And I grew up in it. went to grade school and high school and grew up there and climbed all the little hills that were around. And, and the Lord said, you don't love it. I don't love Portland. Well, I remember I didn't. I used to say, Lord, I don't want to live here anymore. I want to live where I can reach the big crowds. You don't love what I love. Now, this is, to me, the, the important part of what I have to say is I don't love what he loves. Now, obviously, I love to see people saved and all that, but... I didn't love my city. Well, the Bible is very clear in loving the city of man. Do you love the city of man? No, I don't. I want out of here. <laughs> and so the second thing he said, and you don't love the house of God, the city of man and the city of God. That was heavy. I don't love that little church. No, you don't love that little church. You're griping all the time about that church that you wish you didn't have it in your way of greatness. Because I want to be the next Billy Graham or Paul Roberts or whatever it was. And uh, so the Lord dealt with me at 2 o'clock in the morning you don't love the city of God, that's the church, and you don't love the city of man, that's Portland, Oregon. 
See, wherever God places you, he wants you to love it if you're going to see the fruit. Now, that's a very important thing. That's the thing that changed my life when God said, you don't love what I love. And uh, I, I, I want to just share some thoughts today about the city of God this church, and I'm sure you probably have had some thoughts, well, it's just a little church. I'd like to go to where the crowds are. But God loves this city. Do you know that? Yes. He loves, what is it, Garland? Yes, Garland. Okay. He loves Garland like he loves any other place in the earth. Wherever you go, God goes with you, and he gives you a love for that people. You must love the city of man if you're going to win it. And you must love the city of God, which is the church, if you're going to win the church. Is that right? And the moment I went before my people and I said to them, I want you to know what the evil was. The evil is I have not loved you like Christ loved you. And that was difficult for me to say because I wanted them to think I was the best they could get. <laughs> but then I turned to the scriptures, and you can read this if you will. It's Ephesians 5:27. Listen to it closely because this, this changed my life. Ephesians 5:27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Jesus loves this house like you should love your wife. Now, if I would be honest with you, I was married to Edie for 58 years before the Lord took her. I've been married now to Roxy for eight years, and uh, he hasn't taken her from me yet. I need her. She keeps me alive. I would be six foot under if it wasn't for <coughs> Roxy making me eat my lettuce and, made, and making me walk, and we even play racquetball here. And I'm 87 and a half, and I still play racquetball. How about that? <laughs> Well, you give her the hand because she's the one that pushes. <laughs> but I want you to go on and read the rest of this scripture. It says, Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, which means there's work to be done. Do you hear that? Yeah. That that he might present to himself a glorious wife, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. 
He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourished it just as the Lord does the church. God loves you. That's the message I get out of this. And he loves you whether you have blemishes, whether you have uh, other things that need to be corrected. He loves you. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. Now that's quite a statement. Sitting right here is Jesus. Jesus is here. He said he was. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. And he says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father, just like Jesus left his father, and be joined to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So this whole passage is designed to tell you and I how much he loves us and wants us to grow and be strong and cleanse anything that's in the way of this. Because that's what he says here. He wants to identify himself with a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle. And, you know, once in a while we see a spot or a wrinkle, we get a little bit upset and think, well, why isn't she more perfect than that? Well, he said, that's what he's working on. Every time we come here, we come here as his wife. Jesus is an embodiment of the flesh, of his flesh and bone of his bone. If you want to show off Jesus, you should be able to say, come to our church and see Jesus. Jesus is here in this church. Right now, he's here to show himself strong. You must be a part of a local church. You are a member of a church, not the church. A lot of people say, well, I got became Christian, I became a member of the church. No, you've got to be a member of a church. Somewhere Jesus can work on you, where he can turn you around, where he can cause the blemishes to be wiped away and, and present to himself a glorious church. Because he's not coming for a defiled church, he's coming for a glorious church. Can you believe that? I do. Once that love for the Lord's house and the Lord and the city of Portland, those two things, I love the city of man and I love the city of God, we began to grow. We shut the front door, or I should say we shut the back door, and people began to come. Today our church uh, has just scores of churches all over the world. Portland Bible College... Uh, is 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 pre- reproducing <clears throat> many many uh, churches all over the world. We've we're Portland Bible College is in existence for fifty 
years. Can you imagine? <coughs> Excuse me. 50 years. And we have churches in Australia and Japan and South America and Europe and just all over the world. And it, it changed when I fell in love with the church. I, I loved my ministry. I loved seeing the crowds. But I wasn't personal. I didn't love the people like Jesus loves the people. Jesus loves you. And he wants to use you to touch this whole region and then touch Dallas and Fort Worth and then regions beyond. And he said it. He said, I, I want you to be able to go out from here blessed of God, anointed of the Lord Jesus, and plant churches. And I love to plant churches. We have hundreds of churches all over the world. And uh, I, I, Roxy and I travel a lot to these churches. We go to conferences here and there. Just came from Bolivia. And uh, we have a church down there of 20,000. Can you imagine that? 20,000 La Paz, Bolivia. And anywhere we go, our church today is about 8,000 people. And it used to be 100 but it never changed for almost uh, 12 years. The prophet said, you don't love what I love. Whoa, that was a stinging rebuke. I don't love what he loves. And when I fell in love with the church and the city God planted me in, we began to grow. We began to grow. We didn't look for another day somewhere way out there. I, I work with pastors, and I've heard them say it too many times. You know, we're in a hard place. Send me to a place where it's easy to lead people to the Lord. And it doesn't happen. Because the hard place needs the Word of God. Yes. They need the growth. They need to establish the house of God. And I believe that God put you here with Ray and Carol and John and David for a reason. He wants to see this become a wonderful work that he planted. Jesus planted the work. You know, I have written down here six things that should cause you to love the Lord. I'm just going to read it to you. You can write it down if you want to. It's the church is where Christ dwells. If you want to live with your husband, you become part of a local church. He says it here in in Psalms one thirty two thirteen. He says the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. He chose Zion. Ephesians 2.19 Now therefore you are no longer strangers or foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God having built on the foundation of the, of the uh, 
apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being uh, linked together groweth uh, into a holy temple in the Lord in whom we are, uh, are being built together for a dwelling place church is a dwelling place of God in the spirit. You know, when I walked in here, I could sense God lives here. And you are part of God. You know, it's not the building, but it's the people. You are part of God. Then number two, it's a place of blessing. I love Psalms 133. I quote it often. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And that is a real key of growth. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard of Aaron running down onto the edge of his garments. And there God commands the blessing. Do you know that he loves you so much that if you will come together in unity, he commands blessing. He commands blessing. I believe that God wants this church filled two or three times. That this is a place where God wants people to enjoy the blessings of God. Number three, it's a place where the new wine flows. It's, it's in the cluster. Isaiah 65, verse 8. Thus says the Lord, as the new wine is found in the cluster. And one says, don't destroy it, for a blessing is in it. A single grape, the best you can get out of is a shriveled up raisin. Right? That's the best you can get out of it. Where does the new wine come from? The cluster. When you come here like we did this morning and you lift your hands to the Lord, you praise him and glorify his name, he comes down and suddenly the wine is flowing. The blessings of God are upon this house. And this is God's plan for you and I. So let me just go on and read the rest of these. I've written them down. I don't want to lose them. It says concerning the new wine, it it says here in First John 4, 2, but this you know, the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has, not did or will, but has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit. Matthew 7, I love this one here. Many will say to me in that day, and this is where I was, 
Have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons and done many wonderful works? And he will say, I never knew you. That, that's a husband and wife word. That's a, I never had any intimacy with you. And we have to recognize that because we are Christ's wife. He wants to be one with us. The purpose of the church is a dwelling place for the Lord. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. Now therefore, in Ephesians 2.19, that you are no more strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and with the household uh, of God. He tells us in Matthew, or Hebrews, excuse me, 12.22, but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, the innumerable company of angels. You have come there. Do not pray for these alone, John seventeen twenty. But he says that he will bring others to you through his word. Number three, he says, why does Satan attacked the church over and over again. One day I will ask that. Why is it? Because I've worked with churches everywhere and all of them are under some form of attack. Well, he says in Colossians 2.17, having disarmed, this is Jesus now, disarmed principalities and powers he, the Lord, made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Jesus has defeated every enemy. We sang about it on the screen this morning, that there's no mountain that he doesn't climb to help us, no valley he won't go into to help us. Jesus <coughs> Christ has defeated every enemy that you have. Now, just a little common sense. What if Satan tried to hurt you, but you, in the name of Jesus, punched him out? Well, if you've won the victory over and over and over again, Satan is not going to hit you as hard as you're going to hit your wife, which is the church. He's going to come and attack the house of the Lord in any way he can to bring it down. And that's why the church is always under fire for Satan hates the work of God and he would like to destroy you and get rid of you, get you out of the way so he can rule the world. God loves you so much that he wants to destroy the works of the enemy. Yes. 
Amen? Okay. What makes up the local New Testament church? This is an interesting thought. When you read the Bible, only 10% of the word church is used in the universal sense. 90% of the time is talked about the church at Galatia, the church at Rome, the church at Thessalonica. It talks about a church in some city. And where two or three are gathered together in his name, he says, there I am in the midst of them. Now that's amazing. It's a place where God has set me. First Corinthians 12.8 For one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit. Psalm 68, verse 6. God has set the solitary into family. He has brought, he brings out those that are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a dry place. And then he goes on and says, it's a place where, and I like this one, I will be fruitful even in old age. Now I'm 87 and a half, and I'm still touching people's lives. Amen? Okay, this is what he says, and you should write this down, because you'll need it someday. (laughs) The righteous shall flourish like Uh, a palm tree and he shall grow up as the cedars of Lebanon. Those who are planted and the key is being planted, this is where I belong, in the house of the Lord. They shall flourish in the courts of our God and they shall still bear fruit in old age. What do you think about that? But they shall be fresh and flourishing. One translation says fat and flourishing. I don't like that one. (laughs) It's a place where Jesus Christ has come. And I, I just stand before you saying... God has set this church here for a purpose. And you've not reached it yet, but you're on your way. You're going to see the harvest come in like you've never seen before. I see some empty seats, and they're going to be filled. I can see a double church uh, full at least two times, maybe three And God is going to give you the increase because he loves you. He loves Garland. He loves this place. And he says, you love it too, and we'll get along really well. You must love what he loves and do what he wants you to do here. God wants you now to be 
blessed and flourishing in the courts of our God. And today is a special day. God sent us, Oxy and I, clear across the United States just to give you these few words. You've got to love what he loves. Amen? you got to love what he loves. And when you love what he loves, growth will take place. When you try to just get out of something, and I'm going to church to get something, that's not the reason. You go there because you love the house of God and you love your city. And when you love the house of God and you love your city, you will grow. And we've watched it take place over and over and over again. Uh, several of our churches are 10,000 or more that we planted. Now they're growing. And so I just challenge you, ask God to give you a fresh love for this house because I believe God has put his stamp on this house and he has a lot in mind that's much bigger than any of us. He loves Garland and he loves this house. And we're going to ask him right now in prayer that he want open the doors uh, of this house where people will come and they will be fed and change uh, over and over again. Bow your heads, please, and let's ask God to do a miracle here. Father, we thank you right now that you came to set us free. You came to increase us in the Lord. You came that we could see the work of God prosper and grow. Lord, we know that you put uh, Ray and Carol here with John and David and that you want this house to grow and to be an implant here in this city. Lord, take us into another dimension. Give us the love for this house and when we see the blemishes that we don't let the blemishes stop us, but we keep believing God for increase and for growth and for souls to be saved and the house of God to be enlarged. Thank you right now for what you're doing. Thank you right now how you're expanding our hearts with love because we will love what you love. We will rejoice with what you rejoice in because we are your people. We are your wife. We are to love this city like Christ loved the church. So give us the love for Garland. Give us the love for this house until we will not be defeated. We will go on believing you.